Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to this week's edition of the Blues Talk. Again, John, Dave, and myself. We're going to look back over Ireland's defeat to France last weekend. All the other Six Nations action. Look forward to our game against the Dragons on Friday night. And uh, have a quick look at the other Pro 14 games as well. So, lads, 15-13 uh, defeat to France. But it could have well have been more. I thought uh, we were, the scoreline was a bit um, generous to us. Uh, were we playing last weekend? <laughs> um, I no, I thought uh, only without the ball. I I didn't think we were. I thought we were in some. Yeah, okay. If we'd have won it, it would have been burglary. But I wouldn't say we didn't deserve to win it. Um, yeah, maybe it could have gone either way. Maybe we could have been buried with a few scores. But I think we stood up pretty well considering all the shit we were that that happened to us. You know, um, it's. It's always galling to lose, and we've never lost two in a, two opening games in the Six Nations previously. So that's a stat you don't want to know about. Uh, I suppose it kind of shows you uh, where Ireland have come in the Six Nations as opposed to the Five Nations, because in the Five Nations, I'd say pretty much nearly every year we lost our first two games um, because we didn't have Italy to to keep us honest. But yeah, the game itself. I I, uh, I thought they were going to run away with it early, but when we did fight back, we uh, there was a few reasonable performances in there. There was you know a couple of things to look at that uh, going forward. But you know overall, what does it tell us after a year of Andy Farrell and Mike Cat? I don't know that we've learned a huge amount. Uh, I don't know if, if we've progressed our game. I don't know if we've. I see a few people criticising uh, the lack of attacking flair and the, the, we're the lowest offloading team in the competition by a mile. Um, so, yeah. Ironically, if we'd offloaded one less time, we might have won a match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, 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 it, it was, the, as we like to say, the cure to take of a performance. It was good in parts. Um, we were really good. Our pack was excellent. Um, the impact of Paul O'Connell um, has been immediate. Our line-out has gone from being, you know, uh, a, a chuck-it-and-see affair to being something that looks really well marshaled. Um, our uh, defensive line-out looks really, really good as well. Um, not just in terms of the ball we're winning, but in the choices we're making when to attempt to win the ball. Um, I think we got unlucky once or twice with penalties that you know, could have gone either way, but they, I mean, you could argue that they were penalties, certainly. Um, I thought our rucking was good. Our scrum was excellent. Our scrum was really, really good. Um, and then you look at the whole thing and you think about the team and you think, well, maybe there was, there was as many as six first choice players absent from that team. Um, and the idea that 
I know certainly for us who grew up watching Irish rugby in the 80s and 90s, the idea that an Irish team could could get within a couple of points of France in the first place and then to do so without a lot of first choice players, you know, is something that, you know, would be unimaginable in those days. And now there's disappointment that we lost the game um, despite the absence of so many players. Um, now, I'd, I'd argue that maybe not all of them should have started, but, would, would, but you know, the, the coaching team certainly would have started the likes of Peter O'Mahony, uh, Jacob Stockdale, Caelan Doris, James Ryan, the two halfbacks. Um, so there, 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 are, there are guys missing there. Um, on the whole, it, like I say, the cured egg, but I mean, John mentioned my cat there. I, I, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the possibility of the attacking play. It's the fact that there doesn't appear to be any shape to it whatsoever. I mean, in that last five minute period when we were trying to get up the pitch to score a drop goal. There were scandals. Yeah, we just kept going backwards and backwards and backwards. Um, it's not, we weren't even trying to, I mean, at that stage, we weren't trying to score a try. We were trying to get field position. And we weren't even able to do that. We weren't able to, we weren't able to maintain position, let alone gain ground. Um, we ended up losing ground. We started, we started at one, uh, on, on the 10 and we ended up back on our 10 uh, before we turned over the ball. So it's that kind of thing where, where you're not able to, I mean, the game of rugby is all about, I mean, it is. I mean, it, it was developed on the playing fields of England to to prepare young men for the the British military, and it's about gaining ground. It's about holding ground, and then it's about gaining more ground. And we weren't gaining ground. We were losing ground. We weren't holding ground. We were losing ground. So, you know, we were kind of running contrary to everything rugby was about or invented for. Um, but there were good performances. There were good performances again from players who, 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 who looked to have performed well against Wales as well. So it's, it, it's good to see players are in form. Um, but at the end of the day, we lost by two points at home, which is never really that satisfactory. And we've lost two games at home or lost two games in the Six Nations, which is never that satisfactory. And we're left really in a position for, where we have to win our remaining games. Um, okay, we've got the Italy game, should win that. Scotland game, hmm. Um, and the England game is always, it's the England game. So Farrell has no wiggle room left at all this season to come out of it with, and I'm not talking about credit with supporters or anything. I'm talking about with credit with kind of what his goals would have been at the beginning of the season in terms of what the union would have expected of him. Credit in the bank, more important than anything. Money in the bank. That's what I mean. That's, that's the most important thing with the way COVID has destroyed all revenue for, for rugby. Um, apart from the Six Nations, pretty much. I can't see there being a huge amount coming to the provinces from... Um, obviously, they'll have sponsorship, but I can't see a huge coming, bit coming from the Pro 14, and the Pint Cup is, might not even finish. Who knows? The, there's no way the Rainbow Cup is going ahead now. No way whatsoever. Not with, the, with the, 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 all the stories about South African strains, etc. I mean, there's so little money in the game at the moment. <clears throat> Super Rugby Australia kicks off tomorrow and there's no TV deal in Europe. Literally nobody in Europe is willing to spend money to show the games. And this is Super Rugby we're talking about. This is one of the, one of the blue chip competitions. So, mm. yeah. but, but like just, just returning back to the game itself, I mean, like I just, I think that, you know, you can, I think you're trying to make excuses for the team. I get, after 41 minutes, when Billy Burns went off injured, six of the seven backs were from Leinster. And, I mean, can you honestly say that they played with any continuity 
in the 39 minutes of that of the second half. I mean, like I've seen better passing in the under 12 girls that I coach. I mean, some of the passes that um, so they were flung out were hitting guys inside shoulders. They were going above their head. Like it's just a skills deficit. We saw both Billy Burns in the first half and Gary Ringrose in the second half absolutely ignore overlaps. They had four to one and a three to one and they ignored it and they both went to kick. Like that's the first instinct that's been told that they've been told to do is to kick the ball. Like you're not going to win a match playing that with that. With that. Um, I would take you through one thing you said, Jason. It's not a skills deficit. The skills are there because we see them when they play for Ulster, Leinster, or Munster. We do. We do. So it's not a skills deficit. It's like we said. It's a coaching deficit because they're going. I mean, it's. It, I agree with you. I mean, you, you talk about six or seven back playing for Leinster or have come from Leinster, but they weren't playing for Leinster, no. and they weren't playing the Leinster system with the Leinster coaches. They were playing for Ireland with the Irish attack coach, and I think that's a significant difference. I mean. I don't want to be going on about my cat. My cat was a guy I liked as a player. I mean, he was, I always, I always enjoyed watching him, but as a coach, he didn't have a huge amount of pedigree coming into it. And he's not shown a huge amount in the job. Um, and all the things you say about, you know, look, play, players are simple animals. They need to go onto the pitch, knowing what they're going to do and believing in what they're going to do. And I don't believe that the Irish players, and I'm not saying that he's lost the dressing room or anything like that, not, not like that, but I don't believe that they think that what they don't seem to understand what he wants of them or what he wants of them just isn't going to work. Yeah. Like there was, there was one piece of play it was up the, up the, the near sideline where there was a bit of an interchange between Gibson Park and Lowe. And we see that, you know, at least two or three times every game when we watch Leinster play, we see stuff that's off the cuff but everyone around it reacts and they run into spaces to give them options to make the pass. The two lads combined excellently and they made 30, 40 metres, but there was no one else seemed to be intuitively reacting that, oh God. So it was like, well, this isn't part of the script. Who ripped up the script? Because no one reacted to it. And as a result, they were kind of, they ended up being pushed into, into touch. And, and we saw like, you know, um, plays in it during the game when when there was things that were on as I mentioned there was certainly two I think there was probably a few more overlaps created or even when we were you know when we were coming out of um, like there's box kicks but after the third phase of a box kick there's no one putting any pressure on the on, the, on like the French fullback who was brilliant but there was no one putting he looked brilliant because he was we made him look brilliant there was no one putting any pressure on him I mean, you, you know, there's some positives in the game. As you say, the line-out was a remarkable improvement. Scrum looked extremely solid. At one stage, we put them under a lot of pressure five or ten metres out from the line in the far corner. I think, I'm not sure, it looked to me that there was a hand in the back of the... Yeah, scrum. I thought so as well, that they had to fiddle it back. And, and it was reset. I thought the referee missed it, but I wasn't sure if it was the number eight taking it out or if it was second row. No, I think it was Reverse. second row tapping it back. Yeah, that's what I thought. But anyway, regardless of that, but it's a remarkable improvement mm. over a couple of weeks of Paul O'Connell's involvement. But like, we're still making fundamental errors in defence. Um, you know, we saw it against Wales. 
and we saw it again when, you know, we're, we're leaving big gaps for, for players to run through. Uh, and it's just, it just looks like a team that's been, that doesn't have a philosophy and doesn't have a, a, a set plan to work to. And it's, it's incredible to think that this time, two and a half years, or this time, yeah, two, time two years ago, you know, we were kind of saying, well, we're after beating the All Blacks. We're going to, we're on for a Grand Slam here, and obviously we're going to win the World Cup. And now, I mean, you know, we're kind of saying, well, we need all our big guns playing in two weeks' time against Italy to guarantee that result. Like, yeah, I think, I, I, I think you raise a couple of interesting points there, particularly about defence. I mean, this, the problem, the problem with the defence isn't the system. It's people making individual errors. We've seen it from Low. We saw it from Gibson Park on um, Saturday, and. Uh, it's a weird one because I wouldn't. I would suggest that certainly. Well, maybe not low. He's a habit of. He's he's a, a perpetual shooter. But Gibson Park, I'd say for Leinster would have stayed out because he would have trusted Ruddock to take Fiku. Um, but because he wasn't as trusting in the system because it's it's it, it, it's not one he's as used to as the Leinster one. He saw Fiku get a step outside Ruddock and panicked, and stepped in, and then that was that. So I mean, it's individual errors, not necessarily systemic errors. But, but the rest of the stuff you say is right. But we're in a situation now where we where, where, where the coaches ha, ha, are faced with a choice. They can either panic for the game against Italy and bring back all the big guns, right? And that's fair enough. I mean, it's an away match, blah, blah. Or they can stick with the, what, what I'm sure was the original plan. And that would have been to, to blend some guys in for the game against Italy. And I think that's still the best strategy. Yeah. I, I'd love to see the legs. Well, everybody'd love to see the legs of Harry Byrne getting a run. Um, I'd say nobody has done more to damage Harry Byrne's career than all the people who are calling for Harry Byrne. It's like he's the Wes Hoolahan of Irish rugby. <laughs> Coaches get a thick on. Coaches get a thick on if people keep telling them to pick a guy. So, lads, if you want to see Harry Byrne playing for Ireland, shut the fuck up. Me told. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. I mean, look at it. I mean, he's look at all the. I mean. It's just like, I mean, the, there's this perception out there that Ireland don't play young players, which isn't actually true. We, uh, I mean, I, I think we've, we put that to bed and that France picked them because they had no fucking choice in the matter. Um, but at the same time, we're in a situation now, coming into the game against Italy, it would be the ideal time to give Harry Byrne a go. Um, his brother has gotten the game. Freddie, uh, Freddie, sorry, excuse me, Billy Burns has gotten the game. It hasn't really worked out for him. Although I do have to say, I thought he was really, I thought the coach was really, really brave and, and showed... That's the kind of thing that squads love coaches for when they stand by players in, in, in adversity. And I thought the coach stood by, stood by uh, Billy Burns really well. Um, but th this would be a game I'd like to see Harry Byrne get a, get a run in. Um, but whether, whether um, the coaching staff are, will, will do so, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be Just, interesting to see whether they do skip that generation. You know, they're, like, like they, they're obviously... We have to sort of future plan for Sexton. He's 35. Yeah. Rumor is he signed a one-year deal now. It hasn't been official, made official yet, but we'll see. Um, but like they've tried three, possibly four, if you count Joey Carberry, but he hasn't been around for the last nearly 15 months since the World Cup. He's about to play, I think. He's, he's about to make a comeback any day. Yeah, he's. They've certainly he's been in a few articles during the week, all right. But he's up to not sure how. Though. He's training. He's he's like I'm not sure if he's ready to 
tug out on, on, on Saturday for Munster. But, but from an Irish point of view, we've, like, we've given Billy Burns five caps, Jack Carty 10 caps, and Ross Byrne 12 caps. So all those guys are, Billy Burns is 26, Jack is 28, and Ross is 25. So like they're no spring, you know, like they're kind of halfway through their career. And like they've had opportunities, but none of them have, have grasped it. No, they're, they're, and they're players. That's they, they are. And like, I mean, I got, look, you know, two, two of them are from our club. So the two, the two Burnses, like we want to see them su succeed. But like, is it time now that the, that he just says, well, I'm going to skip a generation because those three guys that I've mentioned aren't ever going to be good enough to drive us to Grand Slam or championships. But if you bring in someone young, whether it's Harry Byrne or, or there's a plethora of other young guys, bring them through now and say, do you know what? We're after losing two games. This championship is done. We're, we're, we're only just going to be in the also rounds. But if you give them some game time now, they can learn from that. And if you play Murray, just say you play Murray and you bring in, just as a, bring in Harry Byrne and give him three games. Would you, you bring in Murray and you say to Murray, look guide him through, look after him. I mean, I, I remember seeing that when Jack, when Jackson was there and, um, you know, someone took him, I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, Redden actually, took yeah. him under, under um, his wing. Took a lot against of the France. Off. Sorry? Took a lot of the in-game kicking off him. And yeah, kind of yeah. and he just kind of, you know, took a lot of the pressure off him. And if they kind of, you know, gave him a minder for those couple of games and just said, look, we obviously want to go out and win them. We kind of need to win them from a financial, from financial viewpoint. But if they brought him through this time next year, you know, they could be challenging for a championship because they might have, the autumn series also under his belt, and Sexton could be there to guide him as well. You know, um, instead of flogging a dead horse with the three guys that are currently vying it out, but they've all been given a chance, as I said, and not really grasped it. And like, you would question whether or not they're tip top. You know, are they like we're? If you think about it, we've had a guy who went on three lines tours. And then another guy who went on two lines tours as our out half for the last 20 years. Like that's the standard. You know, one of those guys was world player of the year. Those, those um, two fellas I've mentioned, O'Gara and Sexton, have won eight European, six European Cups and two yeah. Grand Slams. You know, yeah, I don't um, think the other three are going to. And Rogers won player of the first 15 years of the Heineken Cup or whatever as well. Um, Precisely. Yes, uh, you'd have to. But again, the financial stranglehold that the IRFU, like the IRFU, have always been about winning games, winning games, winning games. Let the future look after itself. Uh, we don't have the, the luxury. Let's let's just point out, by the way, that the IRFU are concerned about the financials, not so that, not to buy more gold top walking sticks for themselves. They're, they're concerned about the financials because it's the Irish team that pays for all the rugby in Ireland. Um, yeah. Right down to, you know, Jason's Jason's under 12 girls all the way up. So they have to be concerned about the financials because an underperforming national team financially is an existential threat 
to the game at the lowest levels. Yeah. No, we're I'm not just saying, like we're not we're not accusing them of being greedy or anything. No, no, but the there's a counter argument of that. That if you just say, well, it's all about winning our next game, at some point that run of success, if you don't keep investing oh, in yeah. what's below yeah. it. And I'm not talking about the under 12 girls, I'm talking yeah. about investing in the, the next guy who's going to fill the jersey on the national team. If you don't, then all of a sudden Sexton gets Sexton gets kaput and we see there's this massive deficit. We have to bring somebody up to his standard. Yeah. And we've 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 given 27 caps to those three guys I've mentioned. And not and they haven't on any one of the days that those fellas have played, they haven't performed in that green jersey. Well, look, I I I I don't expect anyone in the Irish system to come up to either the standards of Raj or Sexton, right? That's a huge expectation. But you look at the three guys you've named, they're not they're not at Paddy Jackson's level. Right? If, if we could get a guy to come up to Paddy Jackson's level, we'd be doing okay. And they they're they're not. So now we have to look at the next guy. I mean, they're they're all very good players for the province. They're all really, really good uh functional players who are, are really good in the Pro 14, you know, pretty good in Europe. But they're not going to, they're not capable. We've seen now, as Jason said, they've had 27 caps to show and they're not going to make that next step. So it's time to look at the next generation, whether it's Ben Healy or whether it's uh, Harry Byrne or whether it's whoever, uh, Michael Lowry up in Ulster or whatever. So we, we have to do that. Um, I'm not sure they will. I'm not sure that, they, that, that the coach will have the, I don't want to use the word courage, but determination to do so against Italy. Permission. Uh, huh? You won't have the permission. Well, I'm not sure if he will against Italy. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Harry Byrne gets on this weekend because he's playing in in a very difficult game. New uh, Dragons are a decent enough team who, you know, they're dogged and they're hard. The conditions are going to be poor because the Dragons pitch makes Donnybrook a couple of years ago look like the lush pampas of Argentina. Um He's going to have he's going to have to show a bit of you know intestinal fortitude and mental fortitude on tomorrow night, um, and that that may give, work in his favour for for in terms of selections for the following week. We'll come back to the Leinster game in a little bit. Just want to tease out a little bit more, but like I I'm not really calling for them to bring in 14 new caps against Italy. <laughs> like you know what I mean. I don't expect them to start. I don't know if we have them at this stage with the injuries. Well, maybe not, maybe not. But I'm sure, like, but I, I'm just saying, our number one issue is the out-half position. Yeah. And that has to be tackled and approached. Yeah. We, can, we can limp on for another season. And then it's going to be critical because Sexton will be a year older this time next year. And then what do we do? You know? Um we have to bite the bullet now and we have to grasp them. I'm going to mix lots of metaphors, but we have to grasp the metal and say, we, um, we've lost our opening two games. This champion, we're, we're not in an arse's roar winning this championship. Let's go for it and blood one new player, the out half, and give him the remaining three games against Scotland, Italy and England. And England might be, maybe even bring back in a more experienced player to take on England because Obviously, they're, you know, 
Yeah, I, I, I think we have, to, we have to make that commitment, whether it's Harry Byrne or Ben Healy or whoever, whoever it is. Um, and then we have, to, we have to stick with them, strap up their ankles and delete WhatsApp from their phones. Yeah. Because, I mean, we went down this road and we, 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 we thought we were covered. I mean, we thought, okay, we've got sex and we have Paddy Jackson behind him and then push Paddy Jackson's gone. And then we thought, well, it's okay, we have sex and we've got Joey Carberry behind him and then push Joey Carberry is gone. So uh, in, in fairness to the, in fairness to various Irish coaches, um, their, their future planning for out half has been destroyed by stuff completely out of their control. Mm. But we, we need to, so we need to start again. We, we just need to, and I think much and all as I like those three players with their 27 caps, I think that we've seen that they're not going to do it. Yeah, I agree. And we, um, On the other hand, just to, just to talk about young players who are doing it, Hugo Keenan, what? Yeah. Very good. He, yeah. I think he might, might, I'm not sure if the Lions tour will go ahead, but if it does go ahead, I'd say he could be a bolter. Penciled, penciled in to the departure lounge. He could be a bolter. It's a very, it's a position of a lot of strength, actually, at, at the moment. I mean, you've got Obviously, you've got oh. Brett, uh, Stuart Hogg, who's playing really, really well. Um, you've got uh, Elliot Daly, who's you know a very good player. Maybe not playing so well, but a very, very good player. You've got uh, Halfpenny, who is playing well, and you've got Liam Williams in Wales. So there's and and then I mean, there's no guarantee that even the Keenan will be the Irish fullback when Stockdale comes back or Larm approves his fitness or whatever. So. But, you know, I, I, to a certain extent, I always hated it when Sky made every single game about the Lions tour. And you know how much I love the Lions. But I always hated the way Sky made every single game about the Lions tour. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just delighted that Hugo Keenan is playing so really, really well for, for Ireland at the moment. He's looking like it's, it's, himself. Actually, himself and Lowe and uh, Earls patrolled the backfield really well last weekend. Hmm. Um, yeah, there was a bit of cover there. Um, I... I just think he looks so natural. So he is a natural fullback. He's got he's got that kind of Gervin Dempsey, Rob Carney kind of ability to be places, and and he's also he's such a like he's not the biggest guy in the world, which is kind of an advantage when you've got to cover a lot of ground at fullback. Um, but he's he's uh, really committed, and he's a real he's a hard working player, and he's you know he goes for high balls, he goes for whatever he goes for, he goes for it like in spades. He's never he's never found wanting like, for example, Stockdale, <clears throat> who can look, you know, a ball falls on the ground in front of him, and he looks at it for a couple of split seconds, and then goes, oh yeah, I'm a rugby That's player. Rugby ball. I should be having that. I should be. I should. Oh, too late. Hugo Keenan is not a man for that. Like Hugo, Hugo Keenan is the guy falling on the ball before you know at somebody's feet when they're about to kick it. That's the kind of guy he is. So I'm, I'm I, he gives a great um, what's the word stability at the back there that mm. I just think is is great. And I think he's he's a shoe in for that jersey for a while. I don't care. Stockdale for me is a winger. Larmer for me is a winger. James Lowe for me is a winger. I don't think there's any other person who's as qualified at, at fullback in the country, but hey, I'm not Andy Farrell. Um, and they could persevere with Stockdale at that. For I know Stockdale has, has announced that he wants to stay there, but for me, he's, he's shooting it out with James Lowe for the 11 jersey. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. 
I think yeah, I don't I don't mm. think I, and I think another just in terms of guys who who came in and played well. Um, nice to see Reece Ruddock do well on his first Six Nations start, unbelievable as it is. And I thought Henderson did really well coming in and taking over as captain. I thought he played really, yeah. really well, led the pack well. And playing tight headlock as well. Yeah. But in, in, in mitigating, you know, circumstances, like we're obviously John or John or Dave, you, you mentioned the perception of our first 15 and five or six lads not playing, obviously the halfbacks, Ryan, Omani, etc. Those lads missing out because of injuries and suspensions. But then you have, so you have your your kind of second string um, out half comes in. He's gone after 41 minutes. Like then you have a, a kind of a the collision, the head, the head on head collision between um, Church mm-hmm. and, and, and Hendy, and they both go off. And I was only on 41 minutes. You think, God, can anything else go wrong in this game? You know, and um, like I, they showed, regardless of whether they are throwing out rubbish passes or not defending correctly or not chasing kicks or kicking away possession, one thing that that team definitely has is a strong unity of purpose because they, they stuck to their task. And like this was the much vaunted French team, you know, that are, all singing, all dancing, and if you if you listen to every pundit, they're the best French team in ten years or fifteen years, whatever. They are though. To hold, to hold them within, well, they are. I know they are, but, but to hold them to within two points, I don't think. I think that was, you know, only that Dupont flung the ball at 150 miles an hour at the second row's head, and he, he scored a great header. Frank Stapleton would have been proud of. Um, <laughs> You know, that would have been a try that they should have got. Um, and like, they got lead in the Aviva for a while anyway. I'll see your, du- I'll see your uh, DuPont second row header and raise you with James Lowe's foot. You know, if that had gone the other way, that could, could yeah. have been a different game too. I mean. that, was, that, was, that, was a, that was actually, I mean, obviously it wasn't a try, but it was a heck of an effort. But I, 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 get, I get where you said what you're saying, I mean, Jason. Um, Despite all the adversities they had, the spirit in the team is obviously very, very good. It's obviously a really together camp because they're working hard for one another. Um, so, I mean, credit to Farrell there. Uh, it has to be given. Um, and, and his backroom team. So, I mean, that's something to build on. If he can get, you know, he has the basis. He has the defense, individual errors aside. The system seems good. The, the forwards are playing well, but with and without the ball. If he can get that next level up, and maybe we'll see it against Italy. I don't know. Yeah. But if you can get that next level onto it, he actually has something that's really promising to work with. Um, I mean, you look at it this way. I mean, it took what? Joe, it took Joe Schmidt four or five games to really get Leinster where he wanted them. So Cats really, this is what, that was what, my Cats fifth game with Ireland? It's more than that. But last season and the autumns as well. Was he in for the Six Nations last season? I, I, I thought he was oh, in from... You could be right, but it's not a huge amount of time. He, he no, hasn't been I, a huge amount of time. It's been very disjointed, yeah. Yeah, and it's been very disjointed. So, I mean, one has to give him some kind... Have to give them some kind of kind of free pass there, but not for much longer. Hmm. Anyway, okay. So, we'll park the Ireland game. Let's move on quickly and just discuss the England-Italy game. What, did you, what was your views on the try on uh, May's try, boys? 
Nigel Owens, who's a referee I normally admire immensely, um, said it wasn't a try, it was against the laws. And then when he was asked to say which law it was against, he couldn't because it's not against any of the laws. So then he switched to saying it was against one of the guidelines. And when he was asked which guideline it was against, because these are all on the World Rugby site, he couldn't because it's not against any of the guidelines. There is nothing in the laws of the game that say you're, allowed, you're not allowed to jump out of a tackle. Nothing. You might get done for dangerous play, but that's an outcome thing rather than the actual uh, event itself. There was nothing wrong with what he did under the laws of the game. I thought you weren't allowed to jump. No law whatsoever against jumping out of a tackle. Okay. If only I had known that 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's you could get done for if he clipped your man with his knee, you could have got done for dangerous play. But that's an outcome based. But dangerous play is based on the outcome, not on the. Intent. What happens if the defender came across and hit him while in the air? Is that technically? Hitting, I, I, like, well, it, it, I, I would consider it a sort of an ambiguous. I consider it a rugby incident. If the guy was in the air and the other guy was in the air, and he's tackling when going for the line, then that's a rugby incident. Okay. Do you think man, me. that Italy sometimes get a little bit harsh? harshly treated yes. in some decisions. Yes. I, yeah. I, I mean, like the the Adamson Adamson, the referee, um Matt Hancock. I, I saw him I saw him refing uh Northampton Saints away to Treviso in the European Cup. It was probably about 15 months ago. And he was so harsh to Treviso that day. In fact I think he gave a penalty in the last couple of minutes to deny them the victory. Yeah, that was for speaking Italian or something, wasn't it? <laughs> Wearing a lead shirt in the build-up area. Yeah. But, but like, like, regardless sweater. of whether the May incident, right? I mean, like, say, I always thought the jumping in a tackle, what, only because I've heard it on TV or been, you know, seeing, seeing somebody do it and then him being penalised for doing it. But like, the Farrell incident, uh, was it Willis's try where they actually picked him up and drove him over the line? Where well, it wasn't a try when he was grounded, but he was driven over. But like, is he not? But there was like, they're probably getting technical. Any other incidents that they seem to get really unfairly yeah. treated that other teams either get away yeah. with or they're not um, penalised as severely as Italy are. We, like part of the whole, the, the whole, the whole uh, Johnny May try thing, um, there were a million other examples of where referees were referee, where the referee I thought was refereeing to what he expected the outcome to be. Um, I'm not saying I mean there was no there was no conscious bias or anything like that, but he expected Italy to be offside, so he gave penalties for offside, and he wasn't giving them against England because why would they need to be kind of thing. There was a lot of kind of outcome bias or predetermined outcome bias in, in, in the refereeing. And that's been happening to Italy now for two or three years, um, certainly at least that I can recall, where they have been pinged for things that nobody else is getting pinged for. Yeah, yeah there's a bit of um, there's a bit of language barrier thing as well. Yeah. France suffer from it. And it's not even it's not even the fact that um, they don't understand the cause or whatever. It's just that, 
you know, for example, if they're told to leave it or they're told to, you know, I'm sure they've a rude, all teams have a rudimentary uh, grasp of English enough to know the basics. But they don't get, it's, there's lots of issues. There's coaching, there's, there's loads of things that it affects that you don't really think about. Um, and, you know, most of the rugby world is English speaking. New Zealand, South Africa, uh, the four home nations, as they call them. Um, and that, you know, they all speak English natively, whereas France and Italy don't. So that that's actually yet another disadvantage for them, you know. Um, I remember Martin Castro taking umbrage with Wayne Barron's been praised for speaking French. <laughs> he pointed out there's as many tier one teams in Europe who speak Italian as speak French. Why, why doesn't Wayne Barron's learn Italian? It's true enough, but like I like just going back to our game, the referee seemed to be bilingual for the entire match, which you know is a departure because it's it's uh, you know his French was pretty decent actually. Yeah, no, it was, and I saw him. I thought he like every referee's going to make mistakes, but I saw him refereeing. I think it was Racing against Toulouse in a Heineken Cup quarter final, and he was absolutely excellent. I think he disallowed. Disallowed a try towards the end of it, but it could have rained confusion, but it didn't. He, he handled the situation exemplary well, even though the racing crowd were on his back and, you know, putting pressure on him to make that decision in favour of, of racing. He, in fact, went back and handled the situation, calmed it down and made the correct call that it wasn't a try. But, you know... It's, and that was and that was despite uh, thirty Frenchmen pretending not to understand a word he was saying to them in French. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, I think um, like, like it's good to see, like Italy, like okay, they were well beaten by England, forty-one eighteen, but you know a couple of scores at the end kind of exaggerated the scoreline. But Italy are far more competitive this year, and um, they've given a bit of they've given youth their their. Chance in a, in a few positions. The two halfbacks. Two halfbacks, twenty and twenty-one years of age. I just had a look back over the last three seasons um, under twenties results. Like Italy have, you know, they won games. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. But, you know, if, if if you had a if you had probably asked people, oh, how how are Italy? How do they do at under twenty level? You would just presume that they do as poorly as they do at men's level. Like in, in 2018, they won two of their matches. They beat Scotland and Wales. 19, they beat Scotland. In 20, it was only three games, they beat Wales. So, like, I mean, you know, they are... And they're a tough um, side to play against. That, that Italian under-20 team, they're a tough side to play against. You know, like, I mean, I, I, and I actually, while I was looking at those results, are, like, the Irish results at under-20 level is quite remarkable. Mm. Over, I think it's 16 years they've been playing it at, and we've won. I think it's two Grand Slams and three Triple Crowns, which is pretty good going. And we were robbed of back-to-back -back Grand Slams because of COVID. Yeah, very unfortunate that one. Yeah. All right, but they have rescheduled those um, under 20 games. So have they? Yeah, and the oh. women's as well. So. Which are nearly every player will have aged out at the stage. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, yeah, and probably not many have played many games. No. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, the so other I mean, game, the other I'm game saying, of the, sorry, oh, sorry, just saying about Italy, like we, oh, yeah. we were saying last week that Italy would be good for an hour and then England would probably stretch away with late tries. And that's kind of what happened. Italy played some really good rugby. They were good for an hour. And then the, the weight of penalties and 
superior English quality from 16 through 23 uh, made the big difference. I mean, obviously, and, and, and I, hope he, I hope he recovers well, but Jack, having a guy like Jack Willis on the bench um, is a huge thing. I mean, that's a player that would be a starter for almost any other country. Yeah. Um, and a horrible injury, and I hope, he, I hope he recovers fully and comes back to where he was, but such a horrible way. I mean, it was such a high for him, Six Nations debut, try on his debut, and then... Yeah, shocking that injury. Just uh, once you hear someone screaming like that, you just know it's never any good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, I suppose for the second weekend in a row, the um, match of the weekend featured Scotland. This time they didn't come out as winners, but certainly after 36 minutes, I thought they were going to storm away with this game. They were 17-3 up. Um, Wales brought on their secret player. <laughs> Mr. Orr card. <laughs> well, now in fairness, the red card didn't come out until the fifty-third oh. minute. But like they, they Scotland or sorry, Wales came back and scored a try just before half time to make it seventy-eight. But like Wales had come back. I think Liam Williams scored. It was kind of a crazy twenty minutes of play. Liam Williams scored a try to make it seventeen fifteen. Then the red card came out a few minutes later. Come back to that. Then there was a. Uh, Wales took the lead. Win Jones scored to make it 17-20. Then Hogg came back. He scored a try, 24-20. And then uh, Reece Samet came in and with the, with the match score, with match winning try, make it 24-25. But like those, like I suppose Wales had shown that they were back in the game. It was, you know, they were back to 17-15 when the red card was produced. Um, but obviously a much harder harder struggle for Scotland when they only got playing with, uh, 14, playing with 14, 14 men for 25 minutes. Yeah, it was a great game of rugby. Brilliant game of rugby. I mean, um, Scotland and Wales have served up some of the best fare in terms of entertainment in the, in the entire tournament in all the games so far. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as somebody on, 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 on social media was joking, Wales are only three red cards away from a Grand Slam. <laughs> Beat me to it. But uh, Wales have that ability. Wales have the ability to to, you know, we see that we saw it for years under Gatland that Welsh teams that didn't look all that impressive, and you're going, oh, that Welsh team will lose this game. I'll lose this game. And I'll lose this game. I'll get beaten here. Oh look, they've won a Grand Slam. They kind of have that ability because I I think they understand certainly within club Wales how to grind their way to a Grand Slam, which sometimes you have to do. Um, and they're a pretty decent team as well. I mean, there are a lot of good players in there. They've discovered one or two young ones like like Reece Samet. Problem is now, what will happen when Gatlin's Law kicks in? Because mm. those guys all have to come home now because their contracts are up in England. If they re-sign for English clubs, they're excluded from Welsh selection. So yeah, we well, to see what happens there. It'll be great for our league if they do come back. Yeah. Oh yeah, play. absolutely. Yeah, you know. absolutely. Top star players. It, it, yeah. It's great. Look, I, 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 I really look. <coughs> excuse me. Looking forward to seeing both teams in action this weekend. Yep. yep. Or next weekend. Uh, okay, so just moving on from pro, from um, Six Nations. Six Nations is great, though. No matter what happens, I mean, you get. We're in the middle of a lockdown. People can't go to see games. Guys are injured. The season's disjointed, and yet, for. And people say, oh, it's not as good as Super Rugby, or it's not as good as this. But in terms of actually, you know, competitive, hard 
entertaining rugby, you can't beat the Six Nations. You just can't. It is still the gold standard in world rugby. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's just a pity there's no bloody crowds there. Yeah, yeah. But next year there will. So yes. Okay, so we take on the Dragons um, on Friday night. Teams have been announced. Uh, the two Byrne brothers feature for Leinster. Harry at 10 and his brother Ross at 12, which is <clears throat> interesting, to say the least. I think, I think that, that, that maybe they see uh, uh, Ross as more of a, in, in that position, I can't, I can't see him as being much more than, or not much more than the second, uh, uh, kind of playing a second 5-8 role. Maybe they see that as a role for him. Um, well, he was playing 13 a few weeks ago. He was, yeah. Um, I mean, we are a bit stretched stretch for numbers. I mean, if Rory O'Loughlin hadn't come back, we would have had a, 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 we would have probably had to pick an embryo at outside centre. So, you know, albeit a, a, a 16 stone, six foot odd embryo in, in, in the shape of Jamie Osborne. He's on, but, the, bench. He's on the bench, well, though. He is on the bench, yeah. But yeah. what I'm saying is, I mean, we are, we are skinny on numbers. So I suppose there, there's a, a certain amount of men that make do with the back line. But it's really interesting to see the two of them play together, and it's really interesting that of the two that are that of of the guy that's picked to play it out half, it's the younger of the two. It's the non-international, if you like. That's the interesting thing. And as I was saying earlier, Newport can be a tough game to place to go. You know, it's a tough place to go for a game that pitch is nobody's friend, and that's a there's a you you saw that that Newport team. There's a gnarly look to that team. That team is actually pretty good. You guys. There's a few guys in there that are, you know, obviously you've, you've Correll, Bet Lynch, who'll hobble around for a few, for a few minutes, Pat uh, or Pat Butcher, whichever you prefer. Um, great player in his day, and he still mm-hmm. caused teams. Um, you know, he, he hasn't got the stamina anymore, but he still caused teams uh, some 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 issues. Uh, but they've got that that young uh, lock Carter is supposed to be the puppy's privates. Um, they've got a few. They've got a gnarly looking front row. They've got, you know, they've even got a reasonably decent bench. Like this is no gimme, and it's away in Wales. That that ground has uh, Newport County playing football on it. It has Cardiff Blues also playing rugby on it currently because they're. they're I think they've moved back to Cardiff now. Well, yes, but it has had. Had uh, yeah, no, it had yeah. And it's got. Uh, I, I don't know our. our um, are Newport still in the Welsh Premiership? Does it have to house them as well? Can't remember what happened there uh, with that situation. But they've got a lot of people playing on the on the pitch. Now they spent money on the pitch a couple of years ago, but it's still not the May West. Once again, now. So yeah, it's, it's going to need more money spent. Huh? Yeah, so it's it's not an easy place to go, and the guys who play in it regularly know the holes in the corners like a lot better than we do. And we're sending out, apart from Grandad Fardy and, and his younger brother, Dev Toner, um, we're sending out some some fairly callow guys, you know. There's a, there's a lot of fellas missing that would that you'd fancy for a trip to, you know. And even the fact with them, like, the fact that we've got quite short locks to start, both of them are around the six foot five, maybe scraping the six foot six. Whereas you've got Toner and, and well, Fardy six foot six, and you've Toner at six foot eleven. Um, 
you know, there's there's uh, that's your flanker and your second row replacement. So there's obviously Baird to move to flanker, Fargy to come on a flanker. There's plenty of stuff we can do. But we're going to end up with a very tall team or a very uh, um, you know, a good mauling team, maybe a good team for the for the dirty wet pitch. Who knows? Actually, the but, battle the battle of the front rows is going to be fascinating because there are two really good front rows that have been sent out, or sorry, front fives that have been sent out in both teams. And yeah, it's going to be, going to be really, really... see how Bird gets on. He was obviously yeah. away with the Irish squad; he's been released back in. When yeah, that's it. I mean, John was talking. John was saying there about Carter. Um, and kind of like you've got two kind of uh, young guys for the future uh, playing in, in, in Carter and Baird. You've got two fairly gnarly guys. We've got Ross, Ross Maloney there who's really... And then you've got two really good front rows. I mean, they've got Brock Harris. We've got Michael Bent. Um, they've got Hibbert. We've got... You know, so it's, it, it's, it's actually going to be very interesting to see which one of those gets on top. I think whichever yeah. one of those gets on top, might, that, that might be the winning of the game. Um, because they, they have a decent back row. We've got a really good back row. Um, they've got some interesting backs. So some of their backs are really exciting looking. Like, um, I always, they, I, were, they so only they, had sorry, they only had four away with the Welsh squad. Yeah. So they haven't been disrupted. Whereas we had, I think it was 16 out of the 23 um, last weekend away with Ireland. You know, so... Like they wouldn't have trained, obviously trained together as Leinster for the last whatever month. Um, some the ones that were released back into the into Leinster, the four that were uh, filtered back in, are obviously starting. But like they wouldn't have been involved with, you know, training with any of their Leinster teammates except for the last few days. Another another thing to note is that our both of our sub props were born this millennium. <laughs> That's pretty scary. Uh, one of them will, will be making his debut because, you know, unless very, very few props do 80 minutes. So one will be making his debut. Uh, Michael Mill, I think, is injured. So that's he's the next cab off the rank. I, I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, I do Marcus know. Hannon, is it? Hannon, Marcus Hannon. Yeah. I do know a bit about Clarkson. He's a, he's a cracking. Uh, yeah, we've, seen him in, we've seen him in action. We know not to wor have, have any worries with him. No, um, but still, two guys born this millennium in a position like prop. I mean, that that's not a young man's. Generally, it's a, it's a wily, experienced competitor's uh, position rather than a, a young man. I agree with you entirely, John, but here's a funny one for you. You look at the last couple of Irish tight head props, they both come through very young and survived. Yeah, that's in, true. In Furlong was a young guy when he came in and now succeeded by um, Andrew Porter, who's still young. Um, so, I mean, it, it, obviously the coaching is getting better. I mean, it used to be that you weren't, you weren't really a, a, an adult as a prop until you were in your thirties, certainly on the tight head side. Whereas now, I don't know whether it's some kind of direct brain injection or something, but it's, it seems to be working much, 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 much better, uh, in terms of bringing to younger guys. I mean, Clarkson, we've seen Clarkson a couple of times. He's really good. Hannon was in that Irish under twenties team, unless I'm mistaken. Um, and that, that scrum was pretty, pretty impressive. So, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of young players on, on, on side for both teams. I'm looking forward to seeing Dan Sheen again. Like, any time I've seen him, he's been, been pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He's so made for I a game like this, too. And he's a big lad, you know. He's very tall and he's, you know, 
Yeah, like even, you know, if we're kind of talking about, like, say, the national team and going forward, you know, I'd like to see Kelleher starting for for Ireland and Sheehan coming through as his replacement on the, on the, on the, on the bench, you know, but obviously it's games like this that, that, that uh, Sheehan needs to get more game time and obviously he's only coming through this season, so we need him and probably next season before he can be challenging Kelleher for, for that uh, Irish berth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, it's, it, it, uh, it's, it's an interesting team all around. Like, I mean, Jamie, Jamie Osborne, who I think by, concept, by certainly what the coach said, was kind of called up in a break glass in an emergency situation, seems to have uh, made that emergency, turned that emergency. He took his opportunity really, really well in that match. So I think I think we'd be seeing him for a bit more this season, especially with Rory O'Loughlin just coming back. But it, it proves that he can operate at that level. We I mean, yeah. that was, you know, that was a way to um, Scarlets, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, and and like we've seen Hawkshaw had a cameo. Like was that was that game as well? Yeah, that was that game. Well, as well, that's yeah. right. You know, like so when these guys are still very young, but when they are given their opportunities, they can grasp it. Yeah. And it kind of does tails back a little bit. I know a completely different standard and level. I'm not trying to in any way equate the two. I'm just saying that those two guys at the first rung of the ladder that they're on grabbed the, their opportunity. Way, way, way up the ladder, we've seen those three out-halves for Ireland struggle to grasp their opportunities. I, I thought you were going to start the Jamie Osborne for the Lions Tour uh, bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet, not yet. But one lad that um, I think, is, unfortunately, his star might have faded a little bit with, with Caelan Darris, who we continue to get a bit of bad news about. Like, he's been out for the foreseeable future was the the press release over the last day or so. Um, but maybe, you know, as always, they always say you're only one injury away. It's a terrible news for Caelan Darris, but the guy who he kind of leapfrogged when he got injured over in Japan, Jack Conan is earning his 100 cap for Leinster on, on, uh, tomorrow. But, you know, it's funny the sort of the swings and roundabouts of professional sports. Everything was going in Caelan Darris's favour. And Jack Conan was, you know, struggling with an injury for nine months. And now the sort of the shoes on the other foot a little bit, unfortunately. But that's just the way things go in, in close sports. Speaking of seeing unfortunate injuries, the, the news of, on, on Dan Levy, that he's going to be out for the remainder of the season, um, right. is, is very unfortunate. But I, I, will, I would say, it, I mean, it, it looks like it's one of those clean-up operations. Yeah. Better to do it now than let it get worse. Yeah, we do it now. And then, look, this season is so disrupted. And, you know, we don't know what way is going to happen with the, even the end of the season with the, you know, the, the Obviously, the Pro 14 is going to be truncated in March. We don't know what's or going to happen with the, with the Rainbow Cup. Well, it might go on. Who knows what's going to I go on? I think we're going to have to extend the Pro 14 because I don't think the Rainbow Cup is... I, yeah. It can't happen, Jason. Not with the way things are at the moment. Yeah. In I March, no that. way. And then, and then we have the Heineken Cup. We don't know what's going to happen. Well, we know what the plan is for that, but we don't know whether the, the French government are going to change. You know, like when you just saw that they're... Two of their coach, three of their coaches, picked it up, and they're isolating. And some of the sevens team have got it now, and you know, could turn into a mess with that in France. So we don't know whether their government is going to clamp down on it. So what's going to happen with 
Heineken Cup games. Very few so, plans survive first engagement with the enemy. I think it was Napoleon said that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, six, uh, Rainbow Cup is gone as, unless they bubble them somewhere in like the Eden Project or something. And, you know, who knows? Um, I think we'd be playing, I think we'd be playing a, a fairly regular Pro 14 schedule for the remainder of the season. Yeah, could be. Um, just looking at a couple of the oh, uh, other Pro 14 fixtures, probably the one that's most noteworthy from our point of view is Glasgow hosting uh, Ulster on, also on Friday night. They could do us a nice little favour. Not sure if they will or not, but um, certainly if they could take a couple of points off Ulster. I'm not sure that Glasgow seem to be a bit free folly at the moment, don't they? Glasgow yeah. are in a bit of trouble. Not only that, uh, they've lost an awful lot more players to internationals than Ulster have. Ulster have got a couple back, McCluskey and one or two others. So I just can't see. We, you never know. <laughs> Anything's possible the way things are going, but uh, I, I just see Ulster having a bit much for them in their current form. We shall see. Glasgow yeah. have a fairly, not the worst team out. I mean, you look at the guys they have. I mean, you look at the, they've Ali Kebble, they've Richie Gray, Leone Nakawara, Harley, Ryan Wilson, um, they've Adam Hastings, Sam Johnson, and Hugh Jones available to them. They've Darcy Ray on the on the bench. Um, so I mean, the, it's not the it's not the worst Glasgow team you've ever seen. Well, I'm, I'm just amazed that a man called Darcy doesn't get a massive slagging in somewhere as macho as, as Glasgow. Well, he's a professional rugby player. He could probably give a guy a slap, like. Mm, but he's surrounded by a lot of other professional rugby players who... Um, but also, also have a very strong team. And fair play to Jordy Murphy getting been made captain. I heard that, yeah. Um, yeah, also, also have a strong team, all right. I mean... You, they 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 they've got a lot of their better their better second cl- second stream players available to them, and they have a strong bench as well, which is going to make a big difference. Indeed. Well, we'll see how that turns out on Friday. Saturday sees Munster um, travel over to Edinburgh. Um, again, like they're probably home and hosed. Like I think they're ten points clear of Connacht. Um, but, you know, it's still a tricky fixture going over to Edinburgh. Like both those sides, I suppose, Glasgow, both Glasgow and Edinburgh are fourth in, the respect, in their respective tables. So I guess they must be struggling to qualify for Europe next season. Yeah, yeah. Is it six that go through? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, yes. So I think it's six, isn't it? So... There's like, usually um, a playoff. So basically, that would be. There's usually a playoff between for seven. Uh, I know there was eight this year, but normally we get seven. I think, and there's a playoff between the two fourth places. That's my memory. Right. Well, either way, one of them could miss out if that's the case. They'd be playing off against each other. So. Yeah. I mean, they've got it all to play. They have um, it all to play for there, so maybe they might take points off Munster. I see Munster have released a few guys who have signed um, extensions to their contract. 
that's the oddest way of announcing guys have signed the extension. Yes, I, I know. And as I was saying it, I realized what I had said. Um, yeah, Craig Casey got a two year deal. So did both the Scannels, Jack O'Donoghue, and Shane Daly. And, and Yes, and then Liam Coombs got a one-year deal. Yeah, and Alex Henry, Alex McHenry as well. Yeah, it's a nice bit of business done. Um, I, I, I presume they're all the guys who are off, who are who are kind of out of contract and not in central deals. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the remainder of them. Um, but yeah, it, it's always good to go into a match with guys known, the guys who are probably going to be playing in the game. I mean, we don't know what the selection is yet, but who have their future tied up. So they'll all be in good form. And actually, the Connacht um, game, I know they're 10, po they're 10 points behind Munster, but only six points behind them are Cardiff, John's second team. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, well, I didn't say which was your second team, John, because you, you have said that Connacht are your real second team. He has so many second teams. So he Somebody has. once said to me that surely London Irish must be your second team. They would be my least second team. I wouldn't be a big fan of the fan of, I'd be a fan of, I'd be more of a fan of the amateur club than the than the professional club, to be honest. Which is, professional club are just not a premiership club. And they're London Scottish as well. Yeah. And, and Richmond. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think so Richmond like, and London but, Scottish but, have escaped their clasp. <laughs> but uh Cardiff are only six points behind Connacht. So <laughs> they're breeding down there on their on their heels. Um yeah, so I think that's, that's obviously that matches in Galway. So I would like to see them beating Cardiff that day. Everybody has a game in hand over Scarlets and Cardiff, though, because they've they've played their. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. They have. They played, played their uh, get get Liam Williams back into the Welsh team quicker game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they 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 they've got that. Um. Willis Hallahallo has resigned for for um Cardiff. Um, after making his Welsh debut, so that's I'm sure they're he played well actually on Saturday. Huh? He played well on Saturday. He's a good player. He's, he is a good player. I mean, he's, he's he's a good player of his type, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, boys, I think that's pretty much it. Um, just I just want to get a quick prediction, I suppose, before we go for the Dragons Leinster game. Um, bonus point win for Leinster. Bonus point win bonus by, point. by five for Leinster. Mm, excellent. Do you reckon Dragons will get a losing bonus point here? I do. Mm, that'd be, so pretty much saying that they might get a, a bonus point themselves. Yep. Yeah, that might know. be a rip-roaring fair then, wouldn't it? They might might even get two. On, on the quagmire in, in uh, yeah, eight, 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 eight tries and a free-flowing match on... Um, but anyway, boys, as ever, thanks a million. Thanks very much for watching. If you are following us on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and a like and a subscription. Uh, thanks again, lads, and thanks a million for watching. Cheers.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 